So have you figured it out? Have you answered that all-important question? What question am I talking about? The question of where are you going when all of this is done? I talk to so many people who are planning that trip, that vacation, that excursion when everything is open and they have freedom. When you have a chance to go where you want to go, when you want to go, have you figured out where you're going to go? I can tell you where I'm going to go. I'm going to go to the beach. Back in April of 2020, we had plane tickets and hotel reservations and car stuff figured out to attend a destination wedding at a beautiful beach setting. And like many other things in 2020, that got canceled. And whether or not that wedding gets rescheduled for that place, we are going to make it to the beach at some point because I want to feel that water. I love going to the beach. It's one of my favorite places in the world to be. The, the big problem I run into is that my wife, she's not nearly the fan of the beach that I am. She indulged me yeah, for our honeymoon and the vacations the first couple of years we were married, but she's much more of a mountains girl than she is a, a beach girl. And part of the reason that she hates the beach is the sand. She's like, I hate the sand. It gets everywhere. It gets in everything. You can't get it off of you and out of everything. She has quite the sand rant. And, and while she hasn't been able to change my opinion when it comes to the beach, I will tell you this. She's right. I mean, sand is pervasive. It gets into every nook and cranny. It is so hard to wash off and get off. That's one of the pros and cons of going to the beach. It's great to enjoy while you're there, but you don't enjoy the sand that you bring with you when you leave. And this week, I've I been thinking about sand. And to me, sand is a great metaphor for what's happened with, with 2020. There are so many of us that we want to put 2020 behind us. We, we want to kind of push it to the side and go, let's forget that and pretend it never even happened. But for me, I think that 2020 in our lives and specifically in our hearts is like sand. There are some parts of it that has got in there that is acting like an irritant, that if we don't deal with it, we're going to have problems. And so today, beginning today, for the next five weeks, we're starting a new series. And the series is called How's Your Heart? Now, I'm not talking about the old ticker, you know, right here. That, that's the job of a cardiologist. So if you got problems there, I am not your guy. I'm talking about the heart, the one that fills with excitement about the future and often struggles with regret the past. The heart that feels full when somebody is a giver to you of an incredible act of generosity and love, and the heart, the thing that's broken and torn and in pain when somebody you love and you trust hurts you and betrays you. In the same way that sand kind of gets in all the nooks and crannies of our, our bodies and our stuff when we go to the beach, I feel like 2020 has got itself into the nooks and crannies of our lives. And while we might want to push 2020 out of the picture as fast as we can, here's the thing. We may be past 2020. We may be beyond it. But I think in some ways 2020 is still with us. All these things that we went through, they left a mark on us. 
And I think in some ways we're still dealing with them. And as somebody once said, if your past is still affecting your present, it isn't your past. And so what we want to do for the next five weeks is talk about our hearts and ask the question, how's your heart? So beginning today, I want to encourage you this week to spend some time with this question. It's a question that only you and God can truly answer. And it's a question that I think will change the trajectory of our new year if we wrestle with it well. So today, beginning this first week in the series, here's the idea that we're going to talk about. Here's the place where we're going to begin. If you're taking notes, you can fill in these blanks. The big idea is this, that what matters to our world matters least to our God. What matters most to our world, what matters most to the people around us, to the place where we live, actually matters least to our God. Now, I want to give you a little bit of an inside scoop and be totally transparent. Late in 2020, I read a book, and the book is called The Enemies of the Heart. It's written by a guy named Andy Stanley. The book came out actually 15 years ago. But I think this book was written for 2020 because I believe that many of the things in this book speak to the challenges we faced this past year. So I'm not going to be preaching the book verbatim. This is not just Andy Stanley talking through Scott Savage's mouth, but much of the study that Stanley did and the framework that he used in the book has informed this series. And so if you're like, I'm looking for something to read in 2020, I'd recommend grabbing a copy of this book. But we're not basing this series and its foundation on this book. We're basing it on a different book, and that's the Word of God. And so I'd encourage you today, if you've got a Bible, to open up to the book of Matthew, chapter 15. If you're new to church, welcome. We're so glad you're here as a part of 2021, beginning the new year together. The book of Matthew is the 40th book in the Bible. If you turn to, I don't know, about three quarters of the way through your Bible— you'll find the book of Matthew. Matthew was actually a close friend of Jesus, and he wrote a biography of the life of Jesus based upon what he saw. And we're going to be reading in Matthew chapter 15, beginning with verse 1. If you want to follow along on the screen, if you don't have a Bible, we'll keep it easy for you. Here's how Matthew 15 begins. It says, Then Jesus was approached by the Pharisees and the scribes from Jerusalem, who asked, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? For they don't wash their hands when they eat. Let's go down to verse 7. Jesus, speaking to that group of Pharisees, he says, hypocrites. Isaiah prophesied correctly about you when he said, these people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. They worship me in vain, teaching as doctrines human commands. Summoning the crowd that was there, because there was always a crowd with Jesus, he told them, listen and understand. It, does, it is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth that defiles a person. Then the disciples came up and told him, don't you know that the Pharisees took offense when they heard what you said? They didn't like what you said, Jesus. He replied, every plant that my father didn't plant will be uprooted. Leave them alone. They're blind guides. And if the blind guide the blind, both fall into the pit. Then Peter said, explain this parable to us. 
Do you still lack understanding? Jesus asked. Don't you realize that whatever goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and is eliminated? It's basic biology here on Sunday morning. But what comes out of the mouth comes from the heart, and this defiles a person. For from the heart come evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, sexual immoralities, thefts, false testimonies, slander. These are the things that defile a person. But eating with unwashed hands does not defile a person. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Fathers, we begin this new year. We pray that you'd speak powerfully in our lives. As we open your word today, we pray that you would fulfill the promise you made us about your word, that it's living and active, that you work in our hearts when we read it and ask you to speak to us through it. Thank you for walking with us into this bright new year. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Now today, as we start out this series, there's three basic frameworks I want to kind of lay from this passage in Scripture. Three things that we need to know about our hearts according to the teaching of Jesus. And here's the first one if you're taking notes. The source of our life is not something that is coming in. The source is something that comes from within. The source of our lives is not something coming in. The source of our lives is something that comes from within. This is what Jesus taught in Matthew 15, where he said, Listen and understand, it's not what goes into the mouth that defiles the person, but what comes out of the mouth. This defiles a person. What, what Jesus is saying is that the source of our lives is not something we take in. It's something that comes from within. Now, this was a contradictory, in some ways, a revolutionary teaching in the day of Jesus. Because by the day of Jesus, the Pharisees are the, the powerful group in the religious culture uh, of Judaism. The Pharisees have taken the law given at the beginning of the Bible, back in Exodus, They've taken the law and they've expanded upon it so that at any moment, in any station of life, in any moment or circumstances in life, people knew what to do and what not to do. This was called the tradition of the elders. And between Moses giving the law, way back in Exodus, and Jesus' day, the tradition of the elders had expanded upon the law so that there were 500 to 600 laws and statutes that guided everyday life, including what happens at the beginning of Matthew 15, which is sitting down for a meal and washing your hands all the way up to your elbows. Now, now this was an example Jesus uses of the way of the Pharisees and the tradition of the elders that has missed the point. Later on in the book of Matthew, Jesus himself will look at these Pharisees and he'll say, hey guys, you're whitewashed tombs. You've painted the outside so that it looks good and new. The only problem is, is that the inside is rotting and dying and dead. Jesus is saying, hey, the way of the Pharisees will not take you where I am going to take you. 
In, in some ways, Jesus is talking about what is the common way religion teaches us, which is behavior change. The common way of religion is just change your behavior, modify your behavior, do the right things, and you'll be okay. But what Jesus is saying in Matthew 15 is that he did not come and he is not primarily concerned with behavior change. The way of Jesus is heart change. This is why so many of us struggle every year in January. We, we make resolutions. We, we resolve ourselves and commit ourselves that things are going to be different. But in many ways, we're just managing external behaviors. This is one reason I think why resolutions fail. 92% of resolutions fail to lead to lasting change. And I think that's because they're caught up in behavior change, not heart change. And this is the reason why this series is centered around one single question. And that question is this, how's your heart? It's not, how's your behavior? What are you doing? How are you acting? No, no, no. It's how's your heart Because Jesus knows that the source of life comes from within. And that's why when Jesus comes and he enters into this world that is focused primarily on external behaviors and following the tradition of the elders and following the law, Jesus is so emphatic about offering and guiding a new way. Because he knows that we don't have an image problem We have a substance problem. The problem Jesus comes to address is not our image. It's the substance of who we are. And we live in a world in 2021 that is so enamored with the image of things. The image of things on here. We get so caught up in the image of how things look. When what Jesus is saying is, no, your problem is not your image externally. The problem is your substance internally. That's the first thing we got to realize is that our lives, the source of them is not what comes in. It's what comes from within. Number two, basic idea about the heart that Jesus teaches is that what we see on the outside is a reflection, not an exception. What we see on the outside is a reflection, not an exception. Here's what Jesus says at the end of Matthew 15. But what comes out of the mouth, that's from the inside, comes from the heart, and this defiles a person. For from the heart comes out evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, sexual immoralities, thefts, false testimonies, slander. These are the things that defile a person, but eating with unwashed hands does not defile a person. So Jesus is pushing back against the tradition of the elders, which says, if you wash your hands, you're clean. And Jesus goes, no, no, you can't wash your hands and actually clean your heart. Now, in the world of 2021, we have learned a lot about washing our hands. In 2020, most of us learned that we were washing our hands wrong. We weren't being uh, exhaustive enough, and we weren't being patient enough. We were missing parts, and we weren't washing long enough. So I hope you know that you have to actually wash all of your hands, and in between, 
and get your fingernails and you need to sing, you know, happy birthday a couple times, 30 seconds to get it done. What Jesus is saying though, is that what comes out of us is a reflection of what is within us. At some point in this past year, an experience has happened to you that I know has happened to me. Suddenly, out of nowhere, with no warning, surprising everyone, including you, you did something or said something that blew everyone back. And in response, if you're like me, what you said was, what? I have no idea where that came from. Or you watch somebody do this and they said, what? I, I, I don't know what came over me. I don't know where that came from. I don't know who that was. And what you saw in that moment in yourself or in someone else was that what was in their heart came out of their mouths. Now, most of us struggle when faced with what's actually in our heart. And many times when we face that, finally, we go down one of two paths. The first path we're tempted to go down is the path where we go, you know what? Yeah, I had an unfiltered moment. And you know what? I'm just done being filtered. I'm going to lose the filter and the concern. I'm going to be who I'm going to be, what's going to come out, what's going to come out, and everyone else can deal with that. And there's part of that that I think is authentic and healthy. But there's a part of that that I think disregards the true state of your heart And when the concern is gone, there's actually something in your heart that needs to be dealt with that's not going to be dealt with when you lose the concern. That's a problem. The other path is what I call behavior modification. And that's, I don't know what came over me. It's never going to happen again. I promise you'll never see that again. And you work with all of your strength and your might to modify your behavior so that you never do that again. If you've ever tried that, you've probably discovered what I have, is that you can only behavior modify yourself for so long. You can only behavior modify yourself for so much when eventually it comes out again. And and that's where I want to use a third way. Yeah, you can lose the filter and the concern and let everybody else deal with the stuff inside your heart that you're not dealing with. You can work super hard to try to will yourself into a different way. Or you can have an honest moment before God and everybody else where you say, you know what, God, this isn't an exception. This is a reflection. Instead of saying, I don't know what came over me. I don't know what happened. I don't know who that was. You can go, you know what? What you just saw is something that's actually in me. And it's not an exception. It's actually a reflection. You just saw what's actually in my heart. And it's not good. And I got to deal with it. And before you and before God, I'm going to do that. And that takes tremendous courage and that takes tremendous humility. But that is the only way that you see lasting change. Because if everybody else has to deal with what's in your heart except for you, that's not sustainable. 
That will destroy every relationship in your life that you care about. And if you go the way of behavior modification, then eventually you're going to run out of willpower and discipline, and eventually you're going to give up. This way, though, admitting that it's a reflection invites God into the story to do what he does best. See, this kind of confession is at the heart of a powerful section in the Bible called Psalm 51. King David is called a man after God's own heart. And yet David was somebody who did tremendously wicked things. He was jealous and envious of another man's wife. And he used his power as a a king to take advantage of that wife. And when that moment, some people would call it sexual assault, led to a child, he lied to his friend and he had his friend killed. Then he took that woman, that widow, as his wife. It took another friend confronting him with bold courage for David to recognize the reflection of what was in his heart playing out before an entire nation. And in Psalm 51, we read this phrase from King David, who says, Create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. That is how you respond to realizing the reflection of your heart. And I'm not an adulterer or murderer, but I have seen reflections even in my own heart this year, this year that just passed. For me, one of the hardest parts of 2020 was I felt like there was a button on the keyboard of life that just stopped working. And it was the control button. I thought about this because my end button doesn't work on my computer right now. I have a new one coming in the mail. And it's been so annoying to hit the end button like three or four times whenever I type. I know how often the end letter shows up in all the words because I have to type it so often. And I feel like in life, the control button broke for all of us last year. We all felt out of control. We all realized just how much control was an illusion. And there were times where stuff came out of me to my wife, to my kids. And I could say it was an exception, but it wasn't. It was a reflection of me wrestling with my feeling of being out of control and powerless to change my circumstances. There were moments where that sense of being out of control led to discouragement, malaise, sense of Not depression, but certainly sadness showed up even in the way I do my job. And part of what I've done in turning the calendar from one year to the next is some reflection on the reflections I found. Because the problem is not what's out there. The problem is what's in here in response to what's out there. That's why Jesus was so right when he said that what we see is not an exception. It's a reflection. Here's the third thing we need to know about our hearts as we begin this series. It's this. It's our job to guard our hearts while giving complete freedom for the Holy Spirit to work within us. It's our job to guard our hearts. Your job 
My job is to guard our hearts. In the middle of the Bible, right after the book of Psalm, if you just read from, in the book of Proverbs, chapter 4, we read, guard your heart above all else, for it is the source of life. Guard your heart above everything else, for it is the source of life. And here's the problem, friends. Most of us were not taught to guard our hearts. We weren't even taught to pay attention to our hearts. From a very young age, we were taught that to become the kind of person we need to become to get where we need to go, we were taught to pay attention to our actions, not to our hearts. It's the Bart Simpson version of character formation. It's pay attention to what you do and learn the right things and abandon the wrong things. We were taught to watch what we do, not pay attention to why we do it. And that's why this new way is so difficult and foreign to us. That's why it's so important. We remember that it's our job to guard our hearts because our hearts are the place where that why comes from that shows up in what we do. And God is most concerned in this new year with continuing to transform your heart because he knows that if your heart changes, everything else follows because everything flows from your heart. In the book of Jeremiah, the prophet speaking the words of God says this about God's work in our hearts. He says, the heart is hopelessly dark and deceitful, a puzzle that no one can figure out. But I, God, search the heart and examine the mind. I get to the heart of the human. I get to the root of things. I treat them as they really are, not as they pretend to be. That is what God wants to do in this new year. He wants to get to your heart, to get to the root of things. Not the external things that everybody else sees and is enamored by. No, the heart, the root of things. And you go, man, I'm not sure I want to let God get to the heart, to the root of things, because he's going to find things there that are hard for you to deal with. I mean, after all, the heart is hopelessly dark and deceitful. He's going to find some of those things there. Scott, what do I do with that? I'm scared of allowing God to see those things. I'm scared of even seeing those things myself. Well, here's the hope we have. Paul communicates this in Philippians 1. He says, I am sure of this, that he who started a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. That's the good news, that it's our job to guard our hearts. It's our job to pay attention to what's in our hearts and what's happening in our hearts, what's coming out of our hearts. It's our job to guard them. But it's the Holy Spirit's job to transform them. And so we work together with the Holy Spirit, guarding it, paying attention to it, being honest about reflection, reflections of it, honest about reflecting on what's coming out of it. And it's the Holy Spirit's job to change it. And the promise we have is that God has started this work and he's going to finish this work. The only question is, are we going to participate in it? And are we going to make room and open ourselves up to it? I mentioned earlier that we just came out of an incredibly hard year. 
And I know for so many of you, you're like, Scott, why do you keep bringing 2020 up? It's now 2021. We have moved on. It's one thing for you to turn the page in your calendar. It's one thing for you to learn how to write 2-1 in the date instead of 2-0. It's one thing for you to change your uh, clocks. It's one thing for you to see a new year and shoot off fireworks and celebrate things that are new. The bigger work is dealing with the things that are still happening in your heart because of what happened last year. And that's why I want to ask you this question. What have you done with your pain and disappointment from 2020? What have you done with the pain and the disappointment that happened last year? Because as I mentioned earlier, if your past is still impacting your present, it isn't the past. It's the present. It's something you have to face in the here and now. And I think for a lot of us, the pain and disappointment of 2020 is still with us in the same way that sand is still with us when we've been in it. You ever walk through sand and got in your shoe? How annoying that is. With every step, you're reminded that there is sand in your shoe. You're reminded that until you deal with it, you have a problem. You have an irritant. And for some of you, you go, Scott, this doesn't matter because I have the hardest heart in the world. Nothing could get in, even the pain and disappointment of last year. And if you think that's a benefit, (laughs) if you think that's an asset, let me tell you what God said in Ezekiel 36. He said, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. If you are someone who is walking with Jesus or wants to walk with Jesus, having a hard heart is not an asset. It is the opposite of what God wants to do in you. In fact, he says he wants to take out the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Yes, a heart that is vulnerable to pain and disappointment and loss, but a heart that he can actually mold and shape by his love and his grace. This week, I I studied sand. And I was reminded that it's sand that leads to pearls. When an irritant like sand ends up in an oyster, the oyster secretes two different enzymes that begin forming around the irritant that lead to pearls. But if you've ever studied pearls, you know that these little pieces of sand do not overnight become one of these valuable pearls. In fact, in some places, it takes three to six years for an irritant like this to become a beautiful piece of jewelry like that. And I don't know how long it's going to take for what happened to us in the last year to become beautiful. But here's what I know. We have to pay attention to our hearts. And we have to remember that what matters most to our world matters least to our God. So to help you take some steps based upon this message, I want to encourage you to do three things. There are next steps today. And here's the first one. I want to encourage you this week to invite Holy Spirit to reveal the true state of your heart. 
I want to encourage you to set some time to really wrestle with that question, how's your heart? And first and foremost, before you go ask anybody else or talk to anybody else or invite anybody else's input, you first pull back, create some silence and listen to God and ask him to reveal that to you. Because if you're not going to ask God to reveal it to you and you don't want God to be honest with you, nothing else I talk about here is going to matter. But if you do that, there's a second step. And that's this. Sit down with a family member or a close friend and answer this question together. How's your heart? So often we say, how you doing? I'm good. I'm fine. I'm busy. Now this is a much deeper question, a much harder question. Sit down and say, hey, so, so how's your heart? How is that really doing? And it's not a question you can just answer once. It's a question you need to come back to again and again. And that's where number three comes in. This week, I want to encourage you to practice the prayer of examine three times. Each week in this series, we're going to talk about a spiritual practice that we can include in our lives this year. And the one we're introducing today is called the prayer of examine. The prayer of examine has been around for about 500 years. Jesus followers across the world have practiced it. And there's lots of different explanations of it, but today we're going to introduce it with five parts. The first part is to relish. Now, I'm not talking about pickle relish. I mean relish as, as in enjoy. I want you to set your phone aside and put aside all distractions. Take about five or ten minutes in quiet and just relish being in the presence of God. Enjoy the fact that you are important to God. Become aware of the fact that God is present with you and he cares about you. And then just allow that sense to sink in. It's the first R. The second R is to review. Many people practice examine at the end of their day. So I want you to review the past day, whether it's literally yesterday because you're doing it in the morning or it's the day you've been living in the evening. Review what's happened. What are the things that, that up upsetted you? What are the places where you saw God at work? Where are the places where you saw some things in yourself? What, what are the things that robbed you of God's peace? What are those moments where you felt God's love or presence? But review your day with God. Then number three, repent. In reviewing your day, if you're like me, you're going to find some things that you need to repent of. To repent is not merely to go, I'm sorry that I did that. It's to change. It's to acknowledge what you did wrong and then go in a different direction. So repent. Say, God, you know what? That was wrong. Or God, that is wrong in me. I want to go a different direction. I want you to help me change. Number four, request. What do you want God to do in the day that is to come? What do you want God to do in the day that is left? How do you want God to work in the circumstances and the people that you just reflected on? What do you want God to do in your heart in the places where you're repenting? And then number five, renew. Renew your commitment to follow Jesus in obedience. Renew your awareness of God's grace. Renew the principle that it's not your strength, but it's God's strength in your weakness. 
Renew your trust that no matter what comes in the future, you can walk through it with God's faithfulness. And if you go, Scott, that was a lot there. I tried to take some notes. We've got a great resource for you, a PDF that walks you through the prayer of examine. And you can find it today at prescottcornerstone.com slash heart. prescottcornerstone.com slash heart. You'll see a link over here on the screen. If you're watching on Facebook or YouTube, you'll see that link in the comments. Our hosts just put it there. And we would encourage you this week to begin wrestling with this question, how's your heart? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you care not about the image of things or the external things, but you care about what's really going on within us in our hearts. And if we're honest, there are some things there that we're scared to dive into. There are some places that we're apprehensive to open the door of for you to see in and for us to really face what's there. Honestly, some of the most intimidating things in the world are the things within us. So we pray that you not only give us your grace, but you give us the courage to with you look within us. We thank you for that promise that you began a good work in us and you're going to carry it to completion. And we pray that over these five weeks that you would do a work in our hearts that changes how we live, how we act, how we love, how we show up in the most important moments this year. We pray that the same power that raised your son from the dead would be alive and at work within us, making us new. Thank you, Jesus, for all you've promised to do in us. In your name we pray, amen.